Hey everybody, John Fenn here, Church Without Walls International, C-W-O-W-I.org. I'm trying to tear myself level here. All right, uh, C-W-O-W-I.org. There you can sign up for my weekly thoughts and my e-newsletters. It is within those written, uh, the weekly thoughts that come out weekly and the e-newsletter comes out monthly. That's where I tell things prophetic. They're short teachings. Uh, also in the headers there that tells when our Zoom meetings are, when our conferences meetings, where I'll be, when I'll be, et cetera, et cetera, if you want to sign up for that. Um, all right, today was one of those days where I was praying all week long. It's like, Father, what do you want me to share on? You know, normally he tells me, and uh, and that's why I do each one of these, you know, every Wednesday. It wasn't until three o'clock in the morning I was up praying and literally just downloaded. And uh, for whatever reason, he wants me to talk about the three verses in particular that talk about us being in the end times, probably because there's going to be some craziness out there coming down the pike. Now that, you know, election days are over and stuff like that, the next fad thing to jump on, once again, will probably be another book or another thing about Jesus returning, um, you know, this May or this September or whatever the case, which I don't know, but I do know three verses that he wants me to share. So number one, Luke 21, 24, Jesus was prophesying about the destruction of Jerusalem that would come in the year 70. And in the year 70, uh, Rome destroyed Jerusalem. And Jesus was prophesying of it in Luke 21, 24. And he said this, he said, and they will be carried away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trodden down, that's King James Version, trodden down, overrun by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. And so it's interesting here is that, that that's exactly what happened. The dispersion happened. The Jewish population went into all the nations, especially in, in Europe, especially where in Eastern Europe, you have the, the, the descendants that became known as the Ashkenazi, uh, Jews. And then, uh, the Spanish ones are the, uh, Sephardic, uh, uh, Jews. I'm just butchered the pronunciation, but out of, out of Spain, Portugal, et cetera. And, but, but the, and the branches throughout Europe and everything else and elsewhere, in, in, obviously in the U.S. and, and elsewhere, um, South America and whatever. But my point is that they were dispersed throughout the nations in the year 70. It wasn't until 1967 that during the Six Day War that, that Israel took charge of Jerusalem once and for all. And so when Jesus said Jerusalem will be trodden down to the Gentiles until the time the Gentiles is fulfilled, and we see in 1967 that they took, for the first time in almost in 1900 years or whatever, took charge of Jerusalem again. Then we see the fulfillment, and it's like a stopwatch goes like this, because we know that when Jerusalem's no longer trodden down by the Gentiles, that is non-Jews, uh, then the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. So we're, we're starting towards that time, starting from 1967 until the time of the Gentiles is drawing to a close. And this is a sister verse to this, is what Paul said in Romans eleven twenty five. In Romans eleven twenty five, he's talking to the Gentile believers in Rome, and he's saying, hey, I don't want you to be lifted up in pride, you know, in your own conceits. He said, but I want you to know this. He said that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the uh, fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So Jesus talked about a time of the Gentiles. So in Jesus' time, yeah, I mean, I mean you're... I mean, he's our Lord and Savior. He's the author of our salvation. So if he has in his mind, there is a time of the Gentiles, a time like you're going to have a party time, you're going to have a vacation time, a holiday time, whatever the case is, it's got a beginning, it's got an end. And and so when he says the time of the Gentiles is drawing to a close, then that's that tells us, folks, that it started there, um, certainly on the day of Pentecost, but but more 
for these verses, the time of the Gentiles is marked as coming to a close when you see Jerusalem in uh, no longer controlled by Gentiles. And then number two, Paul said in Romans 11.25, when the blindness is lifting off of Israel, and, and there's a partial blindness there concerning the Messiah until the fullness of the Gentiles come in, until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. So the Lord's waiting till the fullness, till the maximum amount of non-Jews who would be saved will be saved during this time frame. Uh, and God knows that, you know, he, he's got that in his mind. That's, that's nothing for us to know. Except that what we do is when we put the two together, we see that when Jerusalem is no longer controlled by Gentiles, 1967, and we know that the time of the Gentiles is therefore drawing to a close, going downhill uh, as we reach its end, its conclusion. But at the same time, blindness in part is happened until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. So this tells us there's a, a corresponding lifting of the blindness off of Israel corresponding with the, the, the ending of the time of the Gentiles. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, since 1967, have we seen uh, a resurgence or a, or a, a whatever, a, a growth of, of Jewish people who believe Jesus is the Messiah? And the answer is a resounding yes. You could start with Jews for Jesus back in the 1960s that was formed, uh, all the way to modern day where, where believers in Jesus as Messiah is, is recognized even in Israel as a legitimate uh, a force to be reckoned with politically and everything else. So you see this happening. The third scripture is this. The third scripture is Matthew 24, 14, where Jesus said, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world and then the end will come. And it's interesting that he says that uh, because uh, so many people are out there looking for things like, um, you know, um, I don't know, blood moons and uh, calendars to line up and uh, somebody's dream or somebody's vision. I mean, I, I, I got emails. I, I mean, I've known the Lord for closer to half a century, 47 years now. So it's nearing that. But I remember back in the 19, in 1978, I, there were two men who came who claimed to be Moses and Elijah, the two witnesses. And the Lord was going to come in like 1980 or something like that. And he was going to rescue us before the USSR uh, nuked uh, Washington, D.C., New York City or something like that. I mean, I, I've just seen a lot, folks. I've, I, I've, I've seen the book, you know, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming in 1988, and then its sequel, 89 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming in 1989. I mean, you know, you just see these things come and go over time. And it's like, why are people looking at Scripture? Luke 11, 24, Romans 11, 25, or Luke 21, 24, and Romans 11, 25, and, and Matthew 24, 14, the real sign of the end of the times. We're at the end of the age, so we see the time of the Gentiles winding down. We see blindness starting to lift off of Israel, and the gospel is, in fact, being preached throughout all the world. Hundreds of millions of believers in China, India, all over the world. The trouble is, folks, in the West, because of the auditorium church, pastors are looking for a quote-unquote revival, which really isn't talked about in Scripture. What is talked about is the gospel being preached in all the world. And and they and to a pastor, the coming revival, quote-unquote, which isn't really makes sense because to revive means to make something alive which was dead. So it, it's like we're talking about the gospel being preached, which means making alive which was never alive before, um, the new birth, etc. But anyway, 
to the to the standard pastor, it means like they're going to have to build a bigger sanctuary. They're going to have to add services on weekly because so many people are going to start coming to their church and they don't even realize that God is moving throughout the world in a dramatic fashion. And Christianity is, in fact, the fastest growing religion in the world. Uh, and, and I'm using some old stats from about maybe 20 years ago from U.S. Center for World Missions. Uh, I think they pegged it at 7.7% a year, something like that. Uh, you can get the book Mega Shift. Mega Shift by Jim Rutz, who documents a lot of this. Uh, the late Jim Rutz, a friend who's been in heaven for several years now. Um, but you can get Mega Shift, an excellent book. Um, anyway, the point being that God is moving throughout the world. Those are the three scriptures, and and it's going to continue. And I might just share this additional uh, scripture from Acts chapter 2, verses, uh, oh, roughly 16 through 21, where on the day of Pentecost, Peter's asked, what, you know, what is this thing that you guys are stumbling around? Are you drunk or what is going on? And Peter says, no, 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 this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, where the Lord said, in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And that is a major change because up until that point, God's spirit was poured out just on the prophet, just on the priest, maybe a godly king here and there. But if you wanted God's presence, you had to go to the temple in Jerusalem. So for Joel to prophesy and Peter say, okay, this is the fulfillment of it, that I'm going to pour out my old, my spirit on all flesh, that is old men, young men, young boys, young girls, uh, dreams, visions, etc., etc. That is a departure because God moved out of the building and into human beings. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That was a that took some thinking to get a hold of that the God, uh, the great I am who spoke to Moses out of the burning bush, who's always been there just for the priest once a year in the temple, now lives in me through the new birth and the filling of the Spirit of God. What an adjustment to their thinking. And Peter saying, this is that which was spoken of by Joel. In the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh, boys, girls, men and women, young and old. And and then he continues. That's that's one end of a bookend. I, I use this example. Uh, my friend Tony Cook's book, uh, Miracles in the Supernatural Throughout Church History. And so that's one end of the bookend there on Pentecost. And Peter goes ahead and says, this is all going to continue. God's Spirit is going to continue to be poured out throughout for on all flesh, and like Jesus said, and then the end will come. The other end of the bookend, Joel prophesied and Peter quoted that the sun will be turned dark, the, the moon to blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is Jewish speak for the, the coming of Messiah. So Peter's saying it's going to start at Pentecost and the things of the Spirit are going to continue all the way through to the coming of Messiah. And so that's the other end of the book. And the other end is a, another friend, Alistair Petrie's book in Holy Fear. So one end of the book, one end of the bookshelf like that. And in between, the Holy Spirit is moving and, and God is moving fast. In fact, if people doubt that understanding of, of Acts chapter 2, just go back to Matthew 24, verses 29 through 31, where Jesus said, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, the sun will cease to give her light, the moon will be turned to blood, etc., etc. The same terminology, and we see that throughout the book of Revelation, the sixth uh, sixth seal, sixth trumpet, sixth bowl, uh, that is the return of, of Messiah, of, of Jesus. And so, and so the point is that the things of the Spirit are continuing, and according to Jesus, really just picking up steam, this gospel will be preached in all the world throughout the world as a witness or with a witness, and then the end will come. So those scriptures of, of Matthew 24, 14, Luke 21, 24, uh, Romans eleven twenty five. Those are the things that tell us we are at the end of the age. Get your eyes off of calendars and, 
you know, the blood moon, the blue moons, or whatever the case is, and look to Scripture and look what God is doing in your own heart. The process of discipleship is lifelong. His Spirit is being poured out all the way until the return of Jesus. As, as Peter quoted Joel, he said, then, then, and all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's what's happening from Pentecost until the sun is dark and the moon ceases to give her light at the return of Christ. And in between, God is moving. And because he moved out of the building and into human beings, we are the temple of God. That means our righteousness is demonstrated within a framework of relationships. Anybody can say they're born again, but their life is proven through the network of relationships that they have. That's your resource. That's where you find the miracles. That's where you find the discipleship process. As iron sharpens iron, as we grow in Christ, as we learn to respect Christ in that brother or sister, for they too are temples of God. And they too have something to share in our lives. And we grow up in the unity of the faith in that way. All right, I hope this has been a blessing to you. Went a little bit longer today. Again, cwowi.org. And, uh, and, and the biggest question is, since we're all just one heartbeat away from eternity, what is the Lord asking me to do today? That's, that's our focus right there. And the rest will take care of itself. All right, God bless. 